Hi, I'm Kevin. Welcome to Maison Mission. This is episode number 25. Maison Mission is an inclusive faith community. The word Maison comes from a Greek word that means greater. The Maison Mission is about finding greater spaces for people to hear and experience the good news of Jesus. You can find out more about Maison Mission by visiting MaisonMission.com or through the links in the description of this program. Good morning. My name is Levi Lowry. I'm one of the pastors here at Maison Mission, and we are so glad that you have joined us today. Uh, We're actually starting a new series today called The Heart. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the heart of God for certain things. And we may may follow some tangents uh, away from that just a little bit, but we're looking at all things having to do with the heart and the heart of God. And we planned this series with a couple of things in mind. We want to be clear up front that God's heart for humanity is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We also wanted to do a series that doesn't build too much from week to week. Like many of you, we are so thankful that summer is on the horizon and know that many of you will be traveling and may not tune in uh, each week. Although, we do have a podcast that makes it insanely easy to keep up with the teachings. Just go to your favorite podcast app and type Maison Mission. All right, that was a shameless plug, but check it out. And we are kicking things off this very first week with the heart of God for the world. We're going to start big, and then we're going to narrow it down in in the weeks ahead. All right? So here we go. When I was in elementary school, there there were two things that were kind of my favorite things at school. I wasn't a huge fan of school, but I, I I was good at one thing, and I enjoyed another thing. I was really good at identifying the teacher's pet in my class, okay? And if you're a teacher, we know that you have these. They're the kid that they they know the answer to every question and they raise their hand all the time. And they're usually right. And so you like to, to choose them or maybe they're charming and uh, they're, they're your favorite, but they're there. And uh, I was really good at figuring out uh, who that was. And I always enjoyed when we would get a new kid in our class in the middle of the year. I, I don't know what the deal was, but I just loved it when some new human would just show up in our class randomly in the middle of the year. Now, I was never the teacher's pet. I, I don't think so anyway. I, I had a bit of an ornery streak and uh, the teachers, yeah, we'll just, we'll just leave that there. But I was pretty good at figuring out who that person was. And I remember in fifth grade, you know, you'd already been in school, kindergarten through fifth grade with the same kids. It seemed like an eternity. And I remember one day this new girl showed up and she she fit both of these boxes. She was new and she was the teacher's pet, like in record time. There was the buzz of newness and wonder of where this little human had come from. I mean, there had to be a story, right? Like a parent got a new job or maybe you were running from danger, but um, she showed up. And I don't know if you remember, some of us have been out of school for quite some time, but teachers are always extra nice to the new kid. I mean, even if they were terrible, they were horrible, the teacher was nice to them for the first few days. But 
this girl showed up and, and the whole teacher's pet thing, it got out of control quickly. I remember she arrived, it seemed like she came in the middle of the day, like after lunch, and uh, she raised her hand to answer a question. And the teacher called on her and said, yes, precious, what do you think? And I thought, that is so weird. I have never heard a teacher be so blatant in their favoritism. She just called this girl precious. And so it happened a couple of more times throughout the day, and then the next day as well. I mean, it was the most blatant case of favoritism I had ever seen. I had never seen a kid become the teacher's pet so fast. I have learned as an adult that I am wired for justice and for fairness. I didn't know this about myself when I was a kid, but I was not one to stand for inequality. And so I brought up to my friends at recess on that second day, I was like, what do you guys think about this this teacher's new favorite, uh, the new teacher's pet? And they, they just stared at me with blank expressions. And I said, you know, precious this, precious that, precious, precious, precious. It's ridiculous. And they just looked at me and they rolled their eyes. And as is typical for fifth graders, they told me that I was an idiot as they explained what you have probably already figured out. The girl's name was precious, right? Who names their kid precious? I've never met a precious before that day. I have not met a precious since that day, but there were two parents that had the idea that, that it would be good to name their daughter precious. And so immediately the previous few days started to make a lot more sense. Well, why do I tell you that story? Well, I tell you because that experience actually runs parallel to a misunderstanding that I had for many, many years when it comes to God and his favorites. As a kid, a teen, a young adult, I, as I said, I was very concerned with things being fair for everyone. And it didn't seem equitable that God selected some people way back when to be his favorites at the expense of the rest of the world. And I remember reading verses like this, for you, Israel, are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. You can go and read that for yourself in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. And then there's this verse. And who is like your people Israel? The one nation on earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself by driving out nations and their gods from before your people who redeemed you from Egypt. You have established your people Israel as your very own forever, and you, Yahweh or God, have become their God. You can read that in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 23 and 24. And as I would read these verses, it, it bothered me a lot. It just didn't make sense. And maybe you've read those verses, and they've bothered you too, especially if you're like me and you're naturally wired for fairness. You feel like everybody should get a fair shot. In all honesty, it felt a lot like that fifth grade teacher calling the new girl precious. And so when I started digging into this, I realized that there is a lot more going on here that reveals God's heart. That, that is so much more than just for a favorite nation or a favored group of people. And so I want to track this with you this morning. We're not going to take a long time to do it, but we're going to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. There is a, 
a man that God chooses, and his name is Abram, and later he'll be called Abraham. He tells Abraham that his family is going to prosper, that they will be secure, and that they will have a good reputation. He blesses Abraham and tells him that these things are going to happen. And you're thinking, yeah, this is it. This, this is where God's favoritism starts. But I've realized this isn't like a lottery blessing that doesn't have a purpose. Because in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 12, it says, I used to love this part. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Right? I love that because I could keep a list of people who had cursed me, and I thought, "Mm -hmm, I'm going to claim this verse is a promise. But that's not where the verse stops. It says, And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Did you catch that? That all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God chooses one family to be the vehicle of blessing to the rest of the world. It was not a blessing to keep. It was not a blessing to hoard, but it was a blessing to pass along. So I don't know if you know this story, but I can tell you what happens. Abraham's family grows, and it grows a lot, into a nation called Israel. A lot of things happen that we're not going to get into, but they become slaves in Egypt. And, and there were plagues that hit the land that they were enslaved to. Uh, the, the ruler, the pharaoh, told them that they could have their freedom. And so in the middle of the night, they, they make a run for freedom. They, they cross the Red Sea on dry ground. And then that pharaoh changed his mind, sent his army after them, and his army was swallowed up in the Red Sea. And then Israel began wandering in the desert. Maybe you have heard of this story, but they wandered for 40 years. And during that wandering, they came to a place called Mount Sinai. And God makes a covenant with them, an agreement with them, just like he did with Abraham. So I hope you're tracking with me so far. And he said to them, Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, Then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Which again, makes it seem like they are simply God's favorite. That they are his precious. On the very next sentence, God reveals why he has chosen Israel. He says this, Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, there's a lady named Carissa Quinn, and she's a lot smarter than I am. She's a, she's a scholar, and she said, Consider that important phrase, kingdom of priests. The role of a priest is to mediate or restore the relationship between two parties. In this example, who are the two parties? The only other characters in the story at this point are God and the nations. So Israel's role is to reconcile all the nations to God. And again, God chooses one out of the many so that the many would be blessed. Are you tracking with me? They were never chosen just because they were God's random favorite. They were chosen so that they could be a blessing to the rest of the world and that the rest of the world could be reconciled into relationship with God. 
Now, if there are any teenagers who have stuck with this sermon this long, they're going to know what this next term is. There's a term they're very familiar with, and it's called an influencer. All right. In fact, it is one of the trending jobs that teens wish to have, according to some recent research. And for us older folks, we think, well, an influencer is just somebody that can influence people to make a decision, and that's kind of it. But today, an influencer is someone who has the ability to make an impact for a company. I remember a few months ago, uh, we were driving through Dunkin' Donuts and paying way too much for specialized coffees, and they had this special drink that you could order that was the direct result of an influencer. It was their favorite drink and it gained so much traction on social media, they actually added it to the menu. And there's, there's a combo meal right now at McDonald's. I can't even remember the name of it. It's like BMT or something. And it's chicken nuggets with a special Asian zing sauce. And you can order it because there's some influencers in Korea of all places that this is their favorite meal, and so it's actually been added to the, the menu. This is what an influencer is, all right? And so the nation of Israel, their whole role was to be the original influencers. They are to live in such a way that they represent the love and justice of their God so well that the other nations would be drawn to him. If hashtags were a thing back then, they would have said hashtag blessed to be a blessing. But they blew it over and over again. They were terrible influencers. Their hashtags should have been terrible influencers because they were so bad at it. They, they, they weren't blessed to be a blessing. That was the original intent, but they acted like they were just God's favorite, his teacher's pet. Carissa goes on and says, Israel is in the perfect position to reveal God to the nations. They have seen and experienced Yahweh's power and rescue for themselves. Yet God's people continually fail at their task by worshiping other gods and participating in injustice and oppression. All right, so stay with me. We're, we're about to land the plane and we are headed somewhere. So, the story goes on, and God's people are, are captured and occupied a, a couple of more times. And so God begins speaking through these men that we call prophets. He uses them to speak to their current reality as well as to speak of the future. And I'm guessing that even if you didn't grow up in church, you may have heard of this prophet named Isaiah. In his writings, he speaks of a coming Messiah, a rescuer, Get this, that will be a light to the nations and bring salvation to the ends of the earth. All right, so even if you didn't grow up in church, I'm thinking you've heard of this guy that showed up several hundred years later. All right, his name is Jesus. And you know what he begins to claim? That he is a light to the world and he tells his followers to spread the good news to the ends of the earth. So what does this mean? Well, we're told in John chapter 3, this is a verse that many of us memorize as children, that God loved the world, not his favorites, the world so much that he sent Jesus, that, that whoever would put their trust in him would find salvation, would never taste death. And then there's a lesser known verse 
right after that. That was John 3.16. But in John 3.17, we're told that God did not send his son to condemn the world, but that through him all may find salvation. So when you go all the way back to the 12th chapter of the very first book of the Bible, we see that God is choosing certain people in groups, not just for their own salvation, but that through them, the world may be reconciled to God. Over and over, God's heart is for those who have not yet come to know him. And this is the exact opposite of what I grew up thinking, that God had his own precious, a favorite, just for favorite's sake. That's not true. His chosen people were always purposed to be a blessing to the world. They were blessed to be a blessing. So what does this have to do with Maison? Well, every week in our program that you're watching right now, we say something like this about Maison Mission, that we are an inclusive faith community. And this is a way of letting folks know that no matter who you are, where you are, how close to God, how far away from God you are, that you are included and welcomed and celebrated inside this faith community. No matter your doubts, no matter your skepticism, no matter your beliefs about God, no matter your sexual identity, you are included in Maison Mission. And we aren't saying this to be edgy, to be progressive, to be controversial. In fact, it it really kind of blows me away that saying these things would be perceived to be edgy or progressive or controversial. We're saying this and we say these things because we believe that God's heart for the world is inclusive and we are inclusive because God is inclusive. We want our heart to beat with his heart. Over and over in the New Testament, Jesus is found hanging out with the world, the outsiders, the nations, the people groups who have not yet encountered the love of God. They were those who didn't fit within the religious establishment. All right, so even after Jesus, one of his followers named Peter writes a letter to a mixed group of Jesus followers. This was not written to to people who had the birthright of being his favorite. It, It was written to Jews and Gentiles and other outsiders, okay? And he, in his letter, he says to these people, he says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And he says that any of those who have received mercy from God now have the special role of declaring the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He refers all the way back to that verse that we talked to at the beginning. And he says, you are that priesthood. You are the ones who are responsible, who have received this gift from God. To live in such a way that those around you would be attracted to your God. And so it comes full circle as those of us who claim to follow Jesus, we're included in that chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Why? 
Is it so that we can declare how great we are and how terrible the world is so that we can just separate ourselves from it? Is it so that we can make sure that people know who is in and who is out when it comes to God? No. No, it's so that we can live our lives in such a way that people would be drawn to God's goodness as it flows through the way that we move and breathe and have our being in the world. See, we are God's precious, but it's not for the sake of just being his favorite. We are called to be the influencers in the same way that the nation Israel was. They blew it. And if we're honest, the church and Christians blow it all the time. But it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that we give up trying to live in such a way that, that God is honored, that God is made known, and is attractive to other people. And that, that's our heart here at Maison Mission. That is our heart. Our love is inclusive because we believe that God's love is inclusive. This is good news. Let's pray. God, that was a lot. <laughs> but I thank you so much that when we dig in to these scriptures, once we get past the, the misunderstanding that, that so many have, that I myself had for so many years, we begin to see that your heart is for the world, that it includes people, that it is especially for people who have not yet tasted of your kindness, of your goodness, of your grace, and your mercy that you offer to each and every person you created. We pray this in the resurrected name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Just a few reminders before you go. Our next Maison in Real Life gathering will be next Sunday, June 13th. Join us at Jonesville Park at 4 p.m. Kids can play on the playground, we can visit together, uh, and we're going to share together in a time of communion. So bring your own food if you like, and join us uh, just for a great time of hanging out. We'll see you there. House Church and Maison meetup groups are starting up soon. These are great ways for you to stay connected and to live out the Maison mission. If you're interested in joining a house church or a special interest meetup group, email us at info at We're ready to start moving the mission forward with you. Get ready for Maison Live! As COVID restrictions relax and more and more people are getting vaccinated, we want you to know that we're excited about actual physical church gatherings starting up this fall. Maison Live will be a once-a-month church experience where we'll sing some songs, share in communion, hear a short message, and actually see each other live in person. Save the date. Our first Maison Live is tentatively scheduled for Sunday evening, July 25th. We can't wait to see you. Maison Mission is a non-denominational church. These programs and conversations are only possible through the financial support and donations from people like you. If our program encouraged you today, consider supporting Maison Mission with a one-time gift or on a recurring basis. You can give through MaisonMission.com and follow the link to give. You can also text the dollar amount to 84321 and follow the links to Maison Mission. We will also be displaying our giving links on a slide at the conclusion of this program. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a fantastic week.